Hello, welcome to Bible study. We're glad you're here. I'm glad you're here at least. I say we and I mean me. I'm just really happy you're here. So let's go ahead and get started. We'll pray and ask God's blessing on our time. Father, thank you for uh, the life that you give us and we thank you for freedom. Uh, we thank you, God, that you have uh, set us free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so we receive that freedom. We receive the freedom that you pour out into our lives. And I pray, God, that you will teach us daily how to live in that fully, how to live in our freedom, how to live in our, our liberty, God, in you. And I just ask you, God, tonight that you would bless this time. I ask you that uh, you would just send revelation and that we'd be able to receive that, we'd be able to take hold of that, and we would be able to apply that to our lives. God, I just pray you teach us something new, you show us something new, you speak something new into our lives. Uh, we receive of you tonight. We ask God that we would be open and ready to receive all that you want to say and all that you want to do. For we ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, there's some right there. If you need one, uh, open up to the Gospel of John, chapter three and verse thirty-six. John three thirty-six. John three thirty-six. I'll read it tonight. It says this: Anyone who believes in the Son, has eternal life. Anyone who says no to the Son will not have life. God's anger remains on him. This is John the Baptist speaking, and he's uh, talking about Jesus. And uh, it starts off, at least the version I just read, starts off with the word anyone. What does that word mean to you? It means everyone? Anyone. anyone. Okay. So what's the difference between everyone and anyone? <laughs> like what? Okay. All right. So, so what, I mean, it, thinking about it in terms of what it describes, what's the difference between everyone and anyone? Well, who's everyone? People who aren't. Okay. And so anyone, to me, anyone refers to an individual. Everyone refers to a group, to me. And so the distinctive is made by a decision or an action, and this is what you're saying, I think, that's made by the individual. So who does this apply to? This verse. It applies to me. It applies to you, okay? In other words, it applies to the individual. In other words, any individual who will meet the criteria of what this says. Now, and what we're going to find out with this verse is that this verse is all inclusive, though, of everybody. Right? Everybody's included in this verse. Because on one side are some people, on another side are some other people. But included in this verse is our choice, or at least a choice that we can make as far as who we're going to trust, who we're going to believe, how we're going to apply our faith. All of that is in this verse, or not. So we can make a choice 
to trust in Jesus. We can make a choice to believe in him, or we can make a choice not to, or make no choice at all. Because if you choose not to decide, according to Getty Lee, you still have made a choice. (laughs) All right? A little rush for you there. You don't know rush? That's too bad. All right. That's a little rush for you. But it's true, though. In other words, there's active decisions that we make, and there's decisions that we either defer or we don't make, and whatever happens, happens, but they still have an effect on our lives. And that's what I'm talking about. So this verse includes everybody, but it's most specifically speaking to us as individuals, and what we see in this verse are the things that happen as a result of our choices. My choice, your choice, which may not be the same choice. And and so I want to just take some time and look at that. The anyone is you. The anyone is me. And so what comes down to it is that now we have a choice. And that's what I want to look at in this verse is what is that choice? The the implied uh, choice here, it says anyone who believes. And the word belief is kind of an interesting word because it's defined in the verse. If you want to know what the word belief is or believes is in this verse, you you go down into the verse and it tells you because it gives you the opposite of that choice. So it says, if you believe, then it says that you have eternal life. Then it says, anyone, in in other words, you, me, an individual choice, who says no to the Son. So implied in that is that word belief in the beginning of the verse is defined later on, or the opposite is defined of it, and and so implying that is a trust and a hope. Right? It's saying yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand where I got that from? It says believe, right? And so you're wondering, okay, I wonder what that really means. Because we use words all the time, we don't know what they mean. Do you know that? You say words all the time, you don't know what they mean? You know, so you use a word, you don't really know what it means. Belief is a word like that. Faith, belief, that kind of thing. And so you look at that and it's all right, well, this verse is self-defining. In other words, later on when John's talking in this verse, he, he gives you the, the what, what the negative side of it is, saying no to the Son. So belief in this sense, if you look at the sense of this verse, you want to define it by this verse, is saying yes to the Son. So anyone who says yes to the Son, anyone who trusts in Him, anyone who puts their hope in Him, anyone who is subjected to His will, they say yes to Him. Right? Do you understand that? So anyone who will say yes to Him has eternal life. It has life. That's how it starts off. So that's a decision that we can make. So the decision, the simple decision is saying yes to Jesus. That's the simple decision that he implies here, that he speaks here. He says, if a person, if an individual, if you will say yes to the Son, then you have eternal life. Now that seems kind of simple, I think. I hope. That's not a real complicated thought 
process here. This isn't a complicated theology. Like we, you don't have to go to like seminary to understand this theology here. This Christology, this understanding of our relationship with Christ is that if we will say yes to him, then we have eternal life. And we'll look at what that means in a little while. Somebody look up Romans 1 5. See what that says. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. Alright, so so through him we received what? Grace. Grace and apostleship. And then how does it describe our faith? What does it say there? So you're calling the Gentiles to what? Obedience that comes from what? Faith. Faith. Alright? Saying yes. So what he says there is that is by grace, the call of God is on his life and he's calling the Gentiles to say yes to Jesus. That's what he's doing. Now we can define that in a bunch of different ways if you want, but the simplest way to understand that is that he is teaching people and he is sharing a gospel with a simplicity that if you will say yes to Jesus, that is the key thing that needs to happen in your life for you to know him forever. You need to say yes to him. So what do you get when you say yes? All right, somebody look at John 335. Just go up a verse from where we are. One verse prior to the verse we're working on tonight. What does it say? The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. So if you say yes to Jesus, potentially what's available to you? Everything. Everything. There is no downside, at least that we haven't talked about so far, There is no downside to saying yes to Jesus because potentially everything is at your disposal if you do. Potentially. Now, that doesn't mean that you say yes to Jesus and bam, you got a million dollars in your hand. That's not what I'm implying. But does he have a million dollars? Sure. If he wants to give you a million dollars, he's going to give you a million dollars. If he wants to give you a thousand dollars, he's going to give you a thousand dollars. If he wants to give you however much he desires to give you, that's what he's going to give you. And it's at his disposal. Potentially, it's at your disposal because you said yes to him. You've put yourself in a position to receive from him. And I'm not talking about, you know, and I use that just as an example, but what else is at his disposal? There's, a, there's love, there's mercy, there's, there's peace, there's rest, there's sleep, there's healing at his disposal. All those things are at his disposal. And potentially all those things are yours if you say yes to him. Do you see there's a contingent on this though? A contingency? That, that it, the individual is called, the individual is given a choice. This is, this can be yours if you say yes. And so he, he says that if we will say yes, then eternal life is ours. So what does that mean? Well, we dwell there now. It doesn't say eternal life will be ours. It says you have eternal life. In other words, it is yours right now. As you say yes to Jesus, eternal life is yours right now. 
And so what does that look like? Well, that looks like whatever being a subject of the kingdom looks like. It looks like the fullest of love. It looks like the Father's love to the Son. It looks like a taste of glory and understanding what it is to dwell in the glory of God. It's hope, it's knowledge, it's communion. It's a pledge from the Father to us. The pledge that He's given a son, that He's given His daughter, He's given to you. That's what it looks like. Eternal life, and I'm trying to draw us away from this idea of something that we get later when we're done living now. Eternal life is living now. Eternal life needs to be what we're doing right here and right now, that we are doing eternal life right now. And that we will continue to do eternal life forever. But it needs to be a mentality that it's not somewhere in the distance, but we've already started. Because if we can't get that, then we forget where we are. We forget who we are. We forget the time frame that we're living in and why it matters. You see, we've got all of eternity that we've already begun in. And so decisions that we make right now aren't necessarily made just for tomorrow or just for the next day or just for a week or just for a month, but they're made for all of eternity. And with that in mind, we're on the road already. We're on that highway. We're on that train track, however you want to understand it. But that's what we enter into when we say yes to Jesus, that that's where we're living right now. That we're saying yes to Jesus and we're on that road, whatever that is, and we're living forever right now. When I first became a Christian, there was music that really influenced me. There was Christian music. And there wasn't a lot of Christian music. It's not like it is today. All right. Most of the time, if I was talking to somebody about Christian music, we all knew what we were talking about. There were no bands that nobody didn't know. Okay. We all knew the band. Because there were only a few of them. And those of you that are old enough that were in that scene can remember that, that there just weren't that many. And there was an album that I listened to over and over and over and over again. And it was a live album that was done. And the name of the album was Live Forever. Alright? But that's also Live Forever, right? And that had a real influence on me as, as, as the music was and as the singing was and as the words of the song and everything about it influenced me and influenced the way that I was seeing things and began to teach me that it's not just today and tomorrow. It's forever. And I had embarked on a journey, a real journey that I was in right then. And I mean, this is a 19, 20 year old kid figuring out that I'm on the road right now. I'm on the road. And so I have to make my decisions based on something bigger than what I'm feeling right now. I gotta make my decisions based on what I want right now. I gotta make some decisions that, that are, are bigger than just on what my hankering is. Or, or whatever it is. Or if I'm happy, I'm sad today. Or whatever those things are. There is something bigger that's going on in my life that I'm on and I'm a part of and that I'm moving toward. It's important that we take that perspective. 
Or we make really small decisions on really big stages. We make really small decisions when there is so much more at stake in our lives than just that moment. And we need to be willing to see things in a bigger perspective so that we're not trapped in those moments. We're not trapped in those little itty-bitty decisions that we're making that, that, that can be so detrimental to us because we just can't see beyond whatever it is that's just right in front of us. We need something bigger than that. So as a subject of the kingdom, I want that love. That Father's love to the Son. I want that to see and and, and partake of that glory that's found in His presence. I, I want that hope, that knowledge, that communion, that pledge. I want all those things. How do I get that? I say yes to Jesus. I live in that. And we're living in that place of saying yes to Jesus. Somebody look at Galatians 2.20. All right, how we're gonna live? We're gonna live by saying yes to Jesus. And I know Paul, when he writes, he's he's fairly descriptive, and he uses terms that maybe we don't relate to all the time. It doesn't make make them any less true. It doesn't make them any less what is what it is. But you understand the kind of the, the nature of those verses he just said? It's not me that's living anymore. It's Jesus. You know, he described it, I've been crucified with Christ. In other words, I have identified. I have come to terms. I have said, this is who I'm with. And I'm going to say yes to him. I've said yes to his sacrifice. I've said yes to the life that he gave for me. I've said yes, that greater love has no man than this. And he laid down his life for his friends. I've said yes, that this is the life that he's put before me. I've accepted that. I've said yes. And I will continue to live this life by faith or by saying yes to him today, tomorrow, and all the way through. So what happens when you say no? That's your choice. No one makes you say yes. No one is, is standing there saying you must say yes. You can say no. Anybody, anyone can say no. That's what this says. You see that? Anyone? Anyone? Who says yes, you got all those great things going on. And you're on your track and you're on your road and you're living forever. And so you're making decisions based on saying yes to Jesus. Well, well, you choose to say no. Right? And that's what the rest of the verse is about. It's about making that choice. And you're free to do it. God created you that way. He created me that way. He created all of us that way. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve, He created them that way. And they could make a choice. They could say yes or they could say no. And they could make a decision not to decide. But they still make a choice. Right? I mean, you think about, you think about the first, the first sin there. Where you got the, you got the devil, you got Satan in the form of a serpent tempting 
Eve. It said, eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because its fruit is good and it's delicious. And, and God knows that if you eat of this tree that you're going to become wise and you're going to become like God himself. And, and he told you you're going to die, but you're not going to die. And so why don't you just give it a shot? Now, what, what we don't think about in that verse is that if you read there, Adam was right with her during that whole thing. He was watching that. He was watching that interaction take place with her. And he didn't intervene. He made a decision not to make a decision. Do you understand that? He made a decision not to take a stand. He made a decision not to intervene. He made a decision not to step step up and say, no, we're not going to do this. He made a decision to sit there and do nothing. And so she ate of that tree. And by making his decision not to do anything, he then ate of that tree eventually also when he saw nothing happen to her. See, not making a decision is still making a decision. If you're just going to sit there. So what happens when you say no? And that's what we're looking at here. Well, it means that you're just not obedient. And I, and I know I'm simplifying this whole idea of obedience, but I want to simplify it. One thing I've been convinced about for the last 30, so however many years it's been, I've been a Christian, is that obedience is central to who we are in Christ. I really believe that. And I, and I've lived that way in that, that's the way it, it's foundational to how I teach, it's foundational to how I live. Now, does that mean I'm obedient all the time? No. But it's foundational to what I believe. And when I was younger and I was just starting out, I believed it and people would mock me and people would tell me I'm wrong and people would tell me I'm too hard. People would tell me that you can't tell people that or you can't expect people to live that way. And my thought on that is like, I'm not expecting people to live that way. I think Jesus is laying that, that choice out for each of us. It's not up to me to get somebody to live that way. I can encourage somebody and I can, I, I can, you know, model the best I can with it imperfectly, of course. But I can't make anybody do it. You're going to make your own decision. Anyone needs to make that decision themselves. I just happen to really believe this. And if you look in the scriptures enough, you see that obedience is tied in with faith. Obedience is tied in with belief. Obedience is tied in with love. It's tied in with all of it. You know, there's places in the Bible say you say, you know, if you, you say you love Jesus, well, you're going to show you love him by doing what he tells you to do. That's how we manifest love for him, is by saying yes to him. Yes to his will, yes to his purposes, to trust, to put our hope in him. That's how that manifests, that love manifests. And then why aren't we obedient? How does that happen? Well, it's when we have a higher, stronger authority in our life. And, and what's normally that higher, stronger authority in our life? Huh? Yeah, us. Us. That's always been the problem. That's always been the problem. Us. It's us usurping God's place in our lives. We say yes to me. And no to Jesus. 
That's how that works. Now, I'm not necessarily, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm not being mean to anybody. That's just how it works. We get to a point, whatever that point is in our life, you can call it selfishness. You can call it whatever you want. But we say, okay, well, yes to me, no to Jesus. And I know that's simplistic, but that's pretty much what happens. And so that higher, stronger authority overrules Jesus, and we follow after that. Well, that doesn't lead to life. We think it does, and the generations that have come before us, all the way back to Adam and Eve, have believed that it does, and it never has. It is a common human deception to believe that by following our selfish desires that will lead us to life and happiness and it never does it hasn't since the beginning and it never will thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years have passed generations have passed it's never worked but it is a common deception to all of us because we want to believe it we really do but saying no to Jesus will not lead to life. In fact, it says we will not have life, at least not true life, and not true happiness. You see, it's in the kingdom that we find that. It's in his rule and reign in our life that we find that. And so outside of that, it's not there. We want to enjoy our lives. But our lives are wrapped up in Jesus and saying yes to him. We want to enjoy uh, the, the freedom that, that is ours, and it is ours. But all of that's wrapped up in Jesus. The whole world is looking for those things. They're, they're searching, and they search. They try to find it in money, or they try to find it in power, or they try to find it in some kind of some definition, random definition of success, or they try to find it in popularity, or they try to find it in so many different ways. And yet, when it comes right down to it, what do they find? They're not finding that. You think about everything that our world says is success or popularity or going to bring you happiness. And you look at people that have those things and some of the most unhappy people in the world. Why? Because somebody told them that was going to make them happy. They got it and it didn't make them happy. And here they are, still searching for happiness. Where do you look if you found exactly what somebody told you was going to do it for you? Then what do you do? Yeah, but if you've got the best, what do you do? I mean, you know it. Let's say you've got to, to, to the pinnacle. Let's say that you're a, uh, whatever you think of as successful. I don't even know. Let's say you're a movie star. You're making $20 million a movie, and you're successful. You live in a big house. You get all this money. You get all this fame. All these people know you. They all want your autograph and all this other stuff, and yet you sit in your house and you're not happy. What do you do then? Well, that's what they do, some of them, if not quickly, slowly, because they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. You become hopeless because what you put your hope in didn't work. Or a rock star 
or whatever it is. I don't even know. What's success anymore? What is success anymore? But you get there and, eh. You see, it's wrapped up in Jesus. I just, I know, I know, I know that's true. I know it's true. And so, we don't have life as we make that kind of a decision. Okay, Ephesians 2, 3. Somebody look at that. Ephesians 2, 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, you were by nature deserving of wrath. All right. Thanks for And what that describes is that describes the the process or the what happens with the raising up of a higher, stronger authority in our life. What were we following after? We're following after whatever we want. That's saying yes to me, no to Jesus. That's what he's talking about. And he says you're deserving of God's wrath. And what it says here, God's anger remains on him. And, and what that describes as an appropriate habitation. Why? Go all the way back to the beginning. Go all the way back to Adam and Eve. What did God do when he booted them out of the Garden of Eden? What did he do? He did something. He not only kicked them out, he not only barred their way back in, but what did he do? What was part of the deal? He cursed them, right? So the the curse, think about what the curse was. You know, work by the sweat of your brow. The ground's going to produce thorns. Women are going to have, they're going to have a desire and they, and for their husband. And they, their pain will be multiplied in childbearing. And I'm sure there's something else I'm forgetting. But, I mean, those were all part of that curse. You see, that was God saying, this is the fruit of your choice. And that fruit of our choice is still around. And so when we say yes to me, and no to Jesus. We put ourselves in that place. That's where we find ourselves again. You see, the curse, you don't have to do anything to get to the curse. The curse is active. The curse is everywhere. The curse is on us if we choose to dwell there. And how do you choose to dwell there? Just say no to Jesus. It'll put you right in the middle of it. Say yes to you. It just puts you right in the middle of it. And and you're not you're thinking, well, I don't want to be there, but I still want to do what I want to do. Well, it doesn't work that way. That's why I'm telling you. Alright? You can't do that. And so, if you're going to choose that, and you're going to say, alright, well, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to be a higher authority, I'm going to be the one that's going to be stronger, then Jesus, I'm going to say yes to me, I'm going to say no to Jesus, well, we find ourselves in the midst of that, because that's what it is. That, that's, that's the natural state of man now. That's our natural state. 
But if we want to live in a supernatural state, the verse is clear. Say yes to Jesus. That's how you do that. You want to be out from under the curse, you say yes to Jesus. You want to be free of living that way and get free of that that thing that was pronounced over man. Well, the suitable habitation, the appropriate habitation for that curse is you saying no to Jesus and yes to you. That is the appropriate habitation. You say yes to Jesus and no to you, and then there is a supernatural deliverance from it. You see, the curse doesn't have to come upon you, and it doesn't have to pass from you. It just is. It abides, and it remains, but it's activated by your decision or lack thereof. Do you understand what I'm saying? And this is kind of a different way to look at it, but I, I want you to get a hold of it. You know, I've described this over the years. I've described this a lot of different ways. I've described this as like a Sanford, uh, when, when they describe you reap what you sow. I've described it a whole lot of different ways. But this is one of those things that this is what God has said. This is what God has placed down. And the suitable habitation for it is disobedience. That's where it lives. The only way I know to remove that, and it's not really a removal, it's removing us from it. The only way I know to do that, for us to rise above that to a supernatural life, is to say yes to Jesus. That's the only way I know about that. And it's not complicated. And it's not something that requires a degree in theology or anything. It's just saying yes to Jesus. The hard part of that is saying no to me. That's the hard part. Turn to Romans 8. And quite honestly, I can't read my writing. So, in Romans 8, there's two possibilities. Romans 8.1 or Romans 8.11. Anybody want to take a guess which one it is? I'm shooting for 11. 11? And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. What are you looking at? No, 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 that's a good one. What's number one? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All right. It was one. But 11's a great verse. Okay. So what that verse says is, there is now, therefore. And so when you hear the word therefore, what does that mean? you got to look at what's above. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for whom? To those who are in Christ Jesus. And the idea behind that is, if we want deliverance from that, 
And we want to live supernaturally above that. We need to be in Jesus. And again, how are we going to define that? People talk in those words all the time, but what do they really mean? It means saying yes to Him. We're really in Christ Jesus when we're in His will, His purposes, His plan for our lives. When we're in the midst of His love, the fullest love, the Father's love, then when we're tasting of His glory, when we're living in hope and knowledge and communion with Him, that's in Him. That's saying yes to Him. That's what that all means. And so in these verses, again, not complicated, but I hope serving as an explanation for some things, your choice, your choice, going to say yes we live above we live forever we're in the midst of that that forever life we're finding ourselves in the midst of his rule and reign his kingdom and we're living forever in that life right here right now we're saying yes and we're living that way you want to say no today and that's not even working that's the curse I will do everything I possibly can, and it's never going to work, ever. That's the curse. So I want to encourage us, and, and this is just a friendly reminder, that saying yes to Jesus potentially opens up the whole world to us. Potentially opens up everything. The Father gives all things to the Son. Saying no, we just end up back where we started in some ways. Frustrated, banging our head against the wall, not understanding why. Where did I go wrong? Well, the only place we can really go wrong, I mean seriously, the only place you can really go wrong when it boils right down to it is just not saying yes to Jesus. I used to have a pastor when I was first in ministry and he would make this simple statement. He say, and, and he would he would just say this all the time. And I don't necessarily agree with the theology of this, but I want to share it with you because I want you to kind of hear what he was trying to say here. He said, "The only unpardonable sin that you can ever commit is not believing in Jesus. Your lack of faith, and I would say our lack of obedience, is really the only thing." that separates us from him. People want to you know, try to say it's this and that, or you're doing this, and they overanalyze their lives to the point that it's unhealthy. It's really unhealthy. Trying to figure out why things aren't going right. And so they, they come up with this reason or that reason or this reason over here, and they've got all these reasons why, and yet it comes right down to it. It's a yes or no proposition. It's a decision that we make. And so I really want to encourage us to commit ourselves. Is it ever 100%? No. Is it ever I'm going to do this and I will never, ever say no to Jesus? No. But we really need to put ourselves in a position where we're saying yes a whole lot more. Okay? Can I leave it with you that way? Just to put ourselves in a position to say yes more? And you see your life beginning to change when you do that.
You really see your life beginning to take off and beginning to, to come together and beginning to come into order and beginning to come into blessing and places of blessing as we say yes and we say yes more. We see more of that in our life. And so I, I, I just want to encourage us to say yes to Jesus more and more and more and more. Anybody have any comments or any questions? Yes. So you said that Adam and Eve, like they were far, what they were. Now, do you think that people can actually do things where, like, God bars you, like you're just you can't get into the book again? Or do you think that if they would have then said yes to Jesus again, he would have forgiven all the way? Well, no, I think what happened was is that the reason that they were barred because they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that was a real problem because it's still a real problem. And the real problem is is then they began to judge what's right and what's wrong. Before they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I believe they didn't judge things by what was right and wrong. They only were able to understand God says this, and God says that. That's all they could understand. And so they were either going to live in obedience, saying yes, or they were going to live in disobedience, saying no. Once they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they they became the higher authority. They became the stronger authority in their own lives and started making their own decisions about this is right, this is wrong, this is best, this isn't best, this is what I think, this is what I want, this is where I want to go, this is what I want to do. And they began to make those kind of decisions. And I think that there's no going back to where they came from. I don't think there was any going back. Because where they came from was the tree of life. All right, and they could eat of that tree anytime they felt like it. Now, before they had the knowledge of good and evil, that was fine. They're going to live forever, just like that. But when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that created a real problem in being in the presence of the tree of life. So, fast forward to where we are now. Jesus came. Sacrifice came a second Adam, he's described in Romans, and he made the right choice. All right, so now we have the opportunity to identify with him, to say yes to him, and so this is our opportunity. Our tree of life is Jesus, that's our tree of life. We still treat the knowledge of good and evil. We have to reject that in order to say yes to Jesus. And I and I and I, and I believe it that strongly that that needs to be rejected. That was the ultimate sin that they create that they committed. Why do we hold on to that? We shouldn't. We shouldn't. 
And so every time we say no to self, we're saying no to that. And every time we say yes to Jesus, we're saying yes to that tree of life. We're saying yes to his way and to his purposes for us. And we're living forever. That is our tree of life. We can eat of that tree anytime we feel like it. We can say yes anytime we feel like it. Yeah, I don't think they could have went back because Jesus hadn't come yet. I don't think it was a choice. Second Adam had to come and do it right. Any other comments or questions? Before they ate of the tree, mm-hmm. was that simply? Um, I was thinking about the way you were restating the curse just is activated by that disobedience. Is that sort of synonymous with selfishness? Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, being selfish is creating a higher, stronger authority. In you. Well, I think they were tempted. I don't know that they were... I don't know what it was in their heart. I know they were tempted. And I know that part of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil is the elevation of self. To godlike status. Because we become, with the knowledge of good and evil, we become a competitor with God for our own soul. Yeah. And I don't think that's the competition we really want to win. Any other questions or comments? All right, let's pray. Father, I I ask you that we would find ourselves in a position tonight where we can set our hearts and we can set our minds to saying yes to you. And I ask you, God, that you will honor our decisions that we make tonight toward that, that we would in the days ahead make more and more decisions, make more and more yeses, our decision, toward you, toward your will, toward your purposes, toward your plans for our life. I ask you, God, that as we will make those kind of decisions and to trust and to find our hope in you, I thank you that you fill us with a full love, a heart full of love, and I thank you, God, that you, you bring that Father's love into us and you fill us with hope and knowledge, a, a communion. That, God, we, we live in the pledge that, that you've made over us, not just for today, but tomorrow and forever. God, I thank you that we are on a road that is eternal and that we are living in eternity right here and right now. I pray, that Jesus, that we will just keep saying yes to you. That we'll just keep saying yes to 
your your plans. We'll just keep saying yes to your will. We'll keep saying yes to your love and your mercy over our lives. We'll just keep saying yes to your plans. God, the future, your call, your wisdom, all that you have for us. I thank you that we have authority to say yes. And we have authority to deny ourselves in order to do that. And so I just ask that we'd rise up and we'd find ourselves with a bigger picture, with a bigger understanding, with a bigger vision, in a bigger place, making bigger and better decisions than we have. I pray, God, more yeses. More. 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 We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying amen. 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 God bless you. And it's good to see everybody tonight and happy Independence Day. Everybody.